today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, we just went through a provincial election a few weeks ago, and a majority government, of course, for Doug Ford. We all know that. But election night uh, was a transitional night. Uh, even though the government was reelected, uh, the two opposition leaders, or three opposition, Mike Schreiner was reelected in Guelph, uh, but both Andrew Horvath and uh, Stephen Del Duca stepped down as leaders of their respective parties. And uh, we already know that Peter Tavins from the NDP is the interim leader, and they're working out when they're going to choose somebody as a full-time leader. The Liberals are, are being kind of quiet right now. Uh, they're not doing much of anything after Del Duca stepped down, and uh, there's some speculation about when that's going to happen. But the other element to this is the party itself seems to be in disarray. Uh, they have been soundly rebuked in the last two provincial elections, don't even have official party status in the Ontario legislature. So what do these guys have to do to get back in the game? Interesting op-ed piece written by our next guest, Andrew Perez. He's a Toronto-based public affairs professional, a freelance writer, and a political activist. Actually, he actually volunteered for the Ontario Liberal Party Central campaign in the 2022 Ontario election, and he has some thoughts that he uh, expressed uh, in the op-ed piece. I wanted to bring him on to talk about this. Andrew, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for the time today. Hi, 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 Bill. Thanks for having me. You've heard the rumors, and this, well, it started, I guess, even on election night uh, when, uh, well, there was supposed to be a much better showing by the Liberals. It never happened, and they said, "Well, that's it. The Liberal Party is dead. They're going to have to join with the NDP and all this sort of stuff." Uh, I don't think that's happened. I got the sense from what you wrote, you don't think it's going to happen, but they do have to do some soul searching, don't they? They certainly do, and and I think what I was trying to get across with my piece is, um, you know, in, until last month, it was it was thought that the 2018 result, when we were reduced to seven seats, was an anomaly, um, and I think that you know last month's results show that 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 actually wasn't the case, sadly. And so we really need to do some soul searching and ask ourselves, you know, what we stand for, um, our value proposition, where we fit um, within the political spectrum in 2022. Because as we know, um, parties shift. Um, the province has has changed um, tremendously over the last um, even five, ten years. And so, you know, we now have a progressive conservative uh, party and government that is, um, for lack of a better word, big tent. It's a brokerage party. Um, Doug Ford has, has, has you know, uh, garnered support from across the province from a lot of Ontarians that wouldn't identify as progressive conservatives, but felt compelled to, to vote for his party. I mean, I, you know, I know well that we had historic, I think it was the lowest voter turnout at, at 42% um, ever. And so, and, and we obviously operate within a first past the post system. So I, I'm not, I don't suggest for a moment that, um, you know, the results are necessarily genuinely representative of how a lot of people feel who didn't vote. But we, we live in the system that we live in and um, our vote has, has um, absolutely collapsed in, in two uh, consecutive elections. And so we need to go back to the drawing table. And, and I think, you know, all bets are off. We really have to reassess our values, um, you know, our, our regional strategy, how we can once again become a truly uh, a party that represents every region of the province. And it's not only about the next election, it's about the long term. Um, and I think that's that's really what I wanted to impress upon um, readers is that we need to build a strategy, a multi-election strategy, because right now our party is non-existent in large swaths of this province. I'm born and raised in London, Ontario. I'm actually here right now, uh, returning to Toronto to, uh, later today. I talk to people here. Um, I know that in dozens of ridings in this region, we received 12 to 15, 12 to 14 percent of the vote. 
um, to, you know, incumbents that were getting reelected with 45, 47% of the vote. So we need to address, we need to address this. And well, um, let me ask you so about that. You, yeah. You, you're in London and our listeners, of course, on our program right now at CFPL know all about the history of what's going on there. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago that, that London was very much a liberal stronghold. I mean, David Peterson, former premier, uh, was was from there. Uh, Deb Matthews, the, uh, the you know the deputy prime premier rather, yeah. uh, was from there. Uh, and it has gone quite opposite now. There's a lot of NDP representation there. Uh, uh, and not just London, but most communities uh, have turned their backs on on the Liberal Party essentially right now because they just don't relate to them. And, and and I find it ironic, especially since some of those seats have gone NDP, because the biggest criticism about the Liberals, and you mentioned this in your piece, uh, is that they tried to out NDP, the NDP. They went way too far to the left and, and to the point where nobody paid any attention to them anymore. That you're absolutely right, Bill. Um, I'm 35. I grew up in London when um, it was a liberal bastion provincially. And it actually, historically, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, when the Tories were in power for 42 consecutive years, um, southwestern Ontario, particularly rural southwestern Ontario, was a liberal stronghold. And so how things have changed. Now, I realize that's a long time ago. But yes, um, in the last two elections in London proper, we came a distant third uh, in all four ridings. Um, and, you know, as you say, as recently as uh, five years ago, we had uh, Deputy Premier Deb Matthews. London West, a riding that was held by uh, Chris Bentley, who was a heavyweight minister, um, yeah. We garnered 12 percent of the vote um, last month to the NDP's 40, 47 percent. So, yes, you're correct. Your assessment is, is, is bang on. Um, how do we address this? As I say, we need to go back to the drawing board. We need to reassess how we're being perceived. I think there are a lot of echo chamber discussions already taking place on platforms like Twitter. And I think some of those discussions, you know, I welcome debate, but some of them are not uh, that useful because it's um, a lot of people from Toronto and I'm one of them, but who, who aren't taking a whole of province perspective and understanding what are Ontarians perceptions of our party? What, you know, it was said that, well, our, um, Per, our per capita spending was actually um, had actually been reduced under the former Wynne and McGuinty governments. Um, and so, you know, we weren't lurching to the left. Well, that may be correct, but that may not be the perception in many areas of the province in terms of how people identify with political parties in this day and age. And so we need to address that. We need to appeal to working class people, modest income workers. Um, the Tories were able to secure the support of many private sector unions. And that allowed them to break through in ridings like Timmins, a riding that had been NDP since 1990, Windsor, um, even York Southwestern that that uh, that Michael Ford picked up. And so we need to look at how can we compete um, with with the progressive conservatives that are now a brokerage party. But how do you um, do something like that, Andrew? The, the, the question, I guess, that they they have to wrestle with here is that they abandoned the middle, the political middle. I mean, the NDP were always on the left, and they're not going anywhere. The Conservatives are on the right. Uh, and as soon as there's a vacuum, and that's what happened when the Liberals and Kathleen Wynne started shifting everything more towards uh, to, to, to the left, uh, the, the PC government, Ford government, uh, just very slowly nudged in and took a lot of that middle ground. I would guess, and I'm sure you've done more analysis uh, than the, that I have over the last couple of months about who voted and where, 
uh, a lot of those new votes that, uh, that, as you mentioned, the Ford team got were probably disenchanted liberals that said, I just, that's not my party anymore. And I'm yeah. sure, and I don't like them because they've gone to the left, so I'm not going to vote NDP. I'll, I'll vote for Doug Ford. May not like the guy, but you know what? It's, I'm comfortable with it. How do you get those people back? So it's a good question. I might challenge you slightly just in the sense that, and I know my piece argues returning to the center and, and you know, there, we can have a debate about what is center versus left and right. Um, I, you know, I worked uh, for a brief period in the former government. You know, I'm proud of the record. Um, this piece was not to, to lay blame on, on anybody's feet. No, no, I these get are, These are structural problems. The party really began losing rural Ontario in the 2011 election when we were reduced to a minority. Um, and so, you know, I think it's more about, yes, it's about centrism and not conflating our brand with the NDP. I think that's happening federally and provincially in the last decade. Yeah. A lot of ordinary Ontarians wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between the parties or the platforms. So the brand conflation is an issue because we've historically been a centrist party. But the regional issue, and it does, I guess it can relate to ideology, but being seen fairly or unfairly as a GTA centric party um, in the in the latter years, we you know it was said we had it we took a GTA lens to policy making. Not overly surprising if you don't have cabinet representation from rural Ontario. And so we our our, our goal long term is to form should be to form a majority government with strong representation in every region. That that representation should be represented in cabinet, and that should inform policy. Um, you know, obviously, green energy policies from years past really had a detrimental impact on the party. Um, I think that's there's still people feel bitter about that. And so um, I think Ontarians are a reasonable people. And so, you know, I think we can intone, we can atone for previous mistakes. But to your point, we do have to really return to the drawing board and, and ask ourselves, what's our value proposition? Where do we fit within the political spectrum? And it's okay that we may not be, you know, proposing policies that are dramatically different from Doug Ford's big tent approach. Um, but we need to be clear where we stand, where we stand. And I think um, the NDP, uh, you know, we, it, it, it's, it's always a challenge to outflank the NDP. I think Kathleen Wynne did it brilliantly in 2014 and we formed a majority government. I think that was an, an, an anomaly. We, we were aided by the, the PC's pledge to cut 100,000 jobs, public sector jobs. Yep. And, and we're also seeing this federally that Trudeau has moved considerably to the center left. And then it worked wonders in 2015. But in the last two elections, he lost the popular vote. So is that a durable strategy long term to have the Liberal Party you know, really fighting on the same ground as, as the well, it, it, no, I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think it is a long term strategy. And, and the only reason it hasn't backfired on, on Justin Trudeau yet is because the conservatives haven't been smart enough to move over towards the middle. Uh, it, there's a vacuum right there now. And people are that's why the voting was down. That's why they lost the popular vote, because that part of the voting public in Canada and specifically here in Ontario, they're comfortable in the middle. I mean, you know, you know, they don't like extreme yeah. politics. I, that, that's not we do in here. That not to suggest it isn't here. Of course, it is. We see that more and more every day now with what's going on. But appeal to the middle is absolutely. And you mentioned that a couple of times in the piece. Uh, the liberals aren't doing that. 
the PCs did here in Ontario, and that's what got them elected and reelected in this particular situation. So you've you've got a number of different issues. You've raised another one here that I wanted to touch on just to make sure we we get this into the conversation. Uh, you got to get a new leader. Um, uh, Kathleen Wynne was from Toronto. Uh, Dalton McGinty was initially from Ottawa, of course, but uh, you know this this Toronto centric thing has got to break, and you've got to find somebody to lead this party from outside of the GTA, uh, and and somebody who can you know relate to to people in Timmins or in London or in Windsor or places like that. Uh, that's going to be a big challenge. Certainly, and I think I, I hope we will have a competitive leadership race. We we need a competitive leadership race. What we don't need is a coronation. We need um, a variety of candidates. I would like to see candidates, um, you know, like municipal leaders, uh, leaders in the corporate or nonprofit world who, um, you know, obviously identify as liberals, but may not have a, a history in the party. So I would like to see new blood injected into this race. And, 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 and to, my, to your point and my point, I would like to see as many candidates as possible um, from from different regions of the province. We, we haven't had a leader from outside the Ottawa or Toronto regions um, since Lynn McLeod's leadership in the, in the early to mid-90s. Um, and of course, one of our most successful leaders was David Peterson from my hometown, as you mentioned, um, yeah. who in 87, 1987 formed a huge majority government. Um, and so, you know, the province has changed a lot since then. But I think, you know, in terms of relating to people, People will say, well, it doesn't matter where the leader comes from. It matters that they have a message and that they resonate. Well, yes, I, I agree with that in part, but it actually does to some extent matter where the leader comes from because uh, where you come from informs your approach. And um, I think that we at this point in time, you know, federally, the party has always alternated between English Canada and French Canada. Um, I think in Ontario, we are a diverse province of over 15 million people with regions that are extremely different. And so I think it behooves us to, you know, not always be um, selecting leaders from the same region. I, I think that 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 that's only fair. So, um, you know, I mentioned in my piece, uh, Jeff Lehman, who came within a couple hundred votes in Barrie, very popular mayor there for the last 12 yeah, let me years. Ask you about, let me ask you about that, Andrew. Uh, you're about the 150th uh, liberal that has mentioned his name. Uh I, a very popular guy. He's a very popular mayor, of course, and uh, decided to to run provincially. And as you say, he just barely lost by a couple of hundred votes to the uh, well, then then attorney general uh, in the Ford government. Uh, that that strikes me as as you've described what you think they should look for in a leader right now. Uh, there's a guy that's got a populist background. Uh, but he's a he's a city mayor. Barry's a, a growing city and has a, a great success with economic development, etc. Uh, he's not rural, but there's a lot of rural areas around there, and, and exactly. so they're certainly familiar with him. Yep. Is is that the sort of candidate that you're looking for? I, I think so, and I want to be I want to be careful to say you you're know, not endorsing I'm anybody. I know not endorsing anybody, and the leader is one piece of the puzzle. <laughs> Um, you know, liberals, especially federally in years past, have suffered from the Messiah complex that all we need to do is get the right leader and all our yeah. problems will be solved. So I, I really want to guard against that type of thinking. Obviously, we live in an era of leader centric politics. 
um, leaders are are important, and 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 voters, um, you know, the, the leader is for, uh, front and center when when voters make their decision. But um, so yes, Jeff Lehman, I, I do hope that he runs. I think he has a proven track record municipally as someone who is who's able to draw support from across the political spectrum and brings that, as you say, smaller town, almost rural perspective. Also, I mentioned Ted Sue, who's a newly elected MPP yeah. from Kingston. Uh, was also a federal MP, very bright, um, articulate individual. Um, so I, I would hope that he might consider running. And I'd love to see uh, several female candidates. Um, so, you know, there's, we'll see. I, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of discussion about that yet. It's still extremely early in terms of um, the leadership race. But yes, I, I, we need a competitive race. We sh- the race should not, the contest, the vote should not be held immediately we need time to 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 execute that race and have a competitive debate um i want to hear all points of view about what the path forward is for this party we i think we should also adopt a one member one vote system for our leadership contest i think that is um that will be an important um ingredient for renewal and uh, drawing new members into the party and engaging people that haven't been involved in the party in the past or have, have have taken a break from the party um, so those are, those are the, you know, leadership will be important. I think we should have a leader in place within, I would say, two years. And then, as I say in my piece, it's important that, in my view, the leader have a seat. Now, of course, the leader needs to be crisscrossing the province, meeting people in church basements and community halls. That's incredibly important. It's arguably more important than the legislature. Yeah, but, but I don't here's what happened. And you, as you well know, we're just about out of time, sadly. Yeah. Uh, Del Duca is one of Stephen Del Duca had a lot of things going against him, but one of them was you've got to have a presence during question period. You've got to be there. In other yeah. words, the voters have to see that person, whether it's you know anybody, liberal, NDP, whoever's going to be. They got to see them challenging the government in the house because those are the voice clips and those are the news clips that they see and hear on the news every day. And Del Duca was was just not there because he he was never an elected official uh, in the Ontario legislature. So that's got to be cured. Uh, so I, that, I, as I say, we're just yeah. about breaking up uh, out of time here. Uh, it's a great piece. People uh, check it out and uh, read it for yourself. And uh, I'm I'm hoping because I I just want to see competitive politics here. I want to. I want to see these guys get back on their feet. I want to see people that can challenge a sitting government, uh, whatever persuasion it is, because it's better for democracy and it's better for Ontario voters. And the best way uh, to get people back out to vote again, since we just went through an election with the poorest turnout ever, uh, is to actually say, you know, get them intrigued to this and get them interested in this. And and that's going to be the biggest challenge. Got to run, but I really do appreciate your time on this, Andrew. Thanks for writing the piece and thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks so much, Bill. Great discussion. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.